Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name's Jeremy. We are here today to discuss Uncanny X-Men number 217, the May 1987 issue on sale February 10th of 1987, cover price 75 cents. This one's titled Folly's Gambit. And on a side note, this month... Uh, Peter David starts writing Incredible Hulk in issue 331 with Todd McFarlane, who started at issue 330. They will continue for about 15 issues. Peter David, of course, goes on to write it for like hundreds of issues. The point of this saying that uh, Todd McFarlane is now in comics and the 90s are coming. (gasps) Another milestone that... Didn't occur this month uh, in comic books, but um, occurred with this issue. Uh, I already kind of let the cat out of the bag uh, a couple of episodes ago, but I'll do it again anyways. I don't care. This is the very first ep- issue of X-Men that I bought brand new off the uh, comic stand rack. Are you, uh, do you, are you? Do you have it in front of you? No. No, oh, because I was going to ask you, is it the, it's the Spider-Man or the UPC symbol? I would have to get uh, guess that it's the Spider-Man one because I did buy it from a specialty shop. Mm-hmm. The specialty shop, uh, they had a cool thing that they anything that was left on the rack uh, was all cover price. Might have even been like five or ten percent off or something. So the actual issue that came out uh, when I first started buying X-Men was X-Men number two twenty-five. I read that during a study hall in fifth grade. Uh, so now you can now you can do math and you can figure out how old I am. Um, <laughs> but anyways, uh, I had been converted over, uh, as we have talked about before, from G.I. Joe and Transformers over to this. Uh, and this was the issue that I read. And as we get into it, I think maybe we can talk about why maybe it's an odd issue for a fifth grader to be like, hey, this is pretty cool. But I did think it was actually pretty cool. Um, so anyways, I read 225, liked it so much that I went to the comic store. I spent all of my money to get 217, 218, 219, 220. I think there was like one in that batch that they didn't have on the shelves. Uh, maybe 223, that's the one with Storm, like with a snake. Uh, didn't have that one, but I had all the other ones. So Storm with a snake, huh? Yeah, spoilers. Uh, So the cover of this one, it's a blue background, and you've got Dazzler fighting a gigantic juggernaut. So this is my my first introduction to the character of the juggernaut and Dazzler, which is probably why when many years later I finally read X-Men number 11, which is like, here comes the juggernaut or whatever, I was like, whoa, I know this guy, and he's cool, and he was cool in the 60s, too. This is, according to the internet, a Walt Simonson cover. It's a good cover. It's a, it's one of those classics. It's uh, yeah, it's just a big juggernaut. Uh, Dazzler's casting light into his hands. The lights blast. I mean, like, I've said this with other covers before, but they put this on a T-shirt. I buy it. Now, if you really start looking at it hard, his legs are a little bit disproportionate to the rest of his body, but he's the juggernaut. I feel like this is just the way the juggernaut is. Like, I feel like... He's just a weird, stocky-shaped person. Yeah, yeah. Isn't he always drawn this way? Uh, no, I mean, yeah, he's always drawn big uh, with big everythings. Uh, no artist can ever seem to get his armbands or whether he's wearing pants straight. But <laughs> uh, uh, that being said, I'm just saying his legs, Like if you really start looking into it, he's like in a crouch pose, but it almost looks like he has just little short stubby legs too. Hmm. 
I, I, it doesn't bother me. Like not like the the Wolverine thing from last issue really bothered me, but yeah. this 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 doesn't bother me. I, it doesn't bother me either. I'm just saying, like you, you start looking at it a little bit closer, and you're like, his legs are weird. But with all the dazzler effects that are going on, you'd probably just miss it and be like, that's the juggernaut. Let's crack open this issue and. Uh... We're on Mirror Isle. This one's this one's called Family fi, uh, Family Family Gambit, uh, Follies Gambit, as I mentioned, not Gambit's Folly. <laughs> it's written by Chris Claremont. Jackson Juice is the penciler. Steve Lealoha is the inker. Um, let's see, Tom Orzakowski's lettering. Oliver and Scotese. Are- Scotese. Scotese. <laughs> I'm guessing it's Glennis Oliver and somebody Scotese are the colorists. And Ascenti's the editor, and Jim Shooter is the editor in chief. And uh, I guess this would also have been my first introduction to um, Psylocke because she's running on the covers. We're on Muir Island. Well, luckily, the uh, caption says she was born Elizabeth Braddock. She's called Psylocke, mutant telepath psychoblaster. See? So as as uh, however old I was, fifth grader, cracking this comic book open, I knew exactly who she was. Maybe not exactly what was happening, but... No mysteries. But you, as a as a child, you were like, "Oh, she's a psychoblaster." Okay. <laughs> hey, a, 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 anybody in a fifth grader is like psychoblaster. I buy it. <laughs> of course, I know what that is. Everybody knows what a psychoblaster is. I, I suppose. I suppose. Uh, so, audience challenge. Uh, I'd like to know what drink comprises the psychoblaster. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Feel like maybe we've gotten some derivations of the uh, Psycho Blaster, but, uh, you know, Betsy Braddock, Psylocke. Speaking of Psylocke, um, not to tangent too much, but I was recently playing the Super Nintendo game, uh, X, let's see, it's called X-Men Mutant Apocalypse, and uh, Betsy Braddock is one of the characters as Psylocke, so is Gambit, Wolverine, Cyclops, it's Beast. But- so this is, this is later... Psylocke. Japanese Psylocke, if oh, you will. Oh, yeah, this is Jim Lee all the way. Okay. Uh, no psychic knife. Really? Yeah, Wolverine's got claws, you know, all day long. I haven't played Cyclops or any of the other characters, but when I played Betsy, or I mean uh, Psylocke, I was like, she, she better have, like, some purple psychic knife, because that'd be awesome, like, weapon for a video game. Nope, what she, does she have? A punch. She's just punching people. Oh. Does she say, psychic punch? <laughs> <laughs> no, she does not. No. Oh. Anyways. Oh, they they really dropped the ball on that one. I agree. I agree. Anyways, we get a little bit more information as uh, a Dazzler blast goes off that uh, she has bionic eyes, which she takes, you know, she always reminds us of. So as a kid, you're like, ah, oh, she's got bionic eyes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> cool. Sure. But see, this, this <laughs> le- leads to the curiosity of the origin story for any kid who's like, all right, well, there's there's a story. I, I know she has bionic eyes. There must be a story behind these bi- bionic eyes. I can't wait to find out what it is. And like somebody came along and was like, what you reading? And you're like, hey, you know, I'm reading about psychoblasters with bionic eyes. It's cool. It's way better than G.I. Joe. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Uh, anyways, yeah, so... This month's G.I. Joe, because I happened to read it, and I, because you brought it up, I'm going to ma- mention it. This is the one where uh, we, we are first introduced to Cobra Commander's brand new power suit, and he gets in the power pogo and jumps around, and Raptor shows up, and he's an accountant, and Cobra Commander's like, you're crazy! And he's like, no, I'm not! I can figure out how to track a G.I. Joe using their paycheck! And I was like, wow, this... 
totally went over my head as a kid. I the know accountant paycheck thing. I know exactly what issue you're talking about. I can see the cover of that issue in my cover or in my uh, head. Is it like issue 57 or 58? It's in the 50s. Yeah, it's it's up there. It's right after the unma- the letdown unmaskings issue. And it has the first appearance of Tunnel Rat and Outback, which I thought was really cool when I was a kid. Yeah. Outback was like super laid back. He was just like, ah, yeah, I've been out in the woods for a couple months and all those rations you gave me, they sucked. But I lived off the land because I'm Outback. <laughs> See, this is way- Psycho Blasters, Bionic Eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we shift our, our attention to the uh, sea outside of Muir Island where there's a couple of sailors who are like, yeah, that's Muir Island. It's weird. People don't go over there. And another guy's like, uh, all right. Um, and then he talks about his master, Dr. Doom. Yeah, so Dazzler's, Dazzler's blast that Psylocke sees is apparently so bright that a ship off the island can see it. Um, and, yeah, we'll, we'll learn. It says, as we see in Fantastic Four versus the X-Men 1 and 2, we'll get there. Have we uh, – is – uh, X-Men and Avengers on the docket at some point? I believe it's right after Fantastic Four X-Men. All right, everybody. So I, I think I think we do two, two four-parters in a row. Oh, God. I don't have the time to read all that. <laughs> well, you got to make time. All right. Well, there won't be any, like, extra stuff those months either. True. We, we could do them two by two, so we could do one two, ep, two per episode. Yeah. So for whatever reason, they decided to drop this – guy into this issue and reference X-Men versus Fantastic Four. Do you think that this was like a subtle plug for, hey, kids, by the way? Well, for all I know, Fantastic Four versus X-Men is out this month. It, well, very. I'm, I'm sure it is, but I just feel like... I mean, Yeah, of course. Yeah, it was like, pick up our other comic, also written by Chris Claremont. Other than a s- subtle little plot point that I guess is the catalyst for this whole story... Uh, which is what happens next, where Rogue is like, nice work, we're trying to keep a low profile, and you're lighting this place up. Like, she could have had that, and we didn't have to have the panel of the people out at sea being like, my true master's Doctor Doom. It just feels like a weird insertion. Yeah, it's it's definitely like, I, I, like, the, I like the out at sea thing, because that shows how big her blast is, or her, her dazzle blast. Dazzle blast! Uh, but yeah, this this other stuff. I don't even know how relevant it is to like when we read Fantastic Four versus X Men. I'm gonna forget about this. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, there's some guy on a boat who <laughs> serves Doctor Doom. Yep, it's a Marvel Universe. I bet you there's a lot of people on a lot of boats that serve Doctor Doom. <laughs> so, anyways, we we find out that they're on a, a they're training with one another, and I guess it's Rogue and Dazzler v Psylocke and Longshot. No, it's everybody v Psylocke. Oh, that's right. You're right. I uh, don't know. I don't know why Banshee decided that this was the way to go, but apparently, uh, spoilers. Banshee's in this issue. Um, apparently, it's everybody versus Psylocke. Which, if I'm Psylocke, I'm like, really? <laughs> well, she's new to the team and she's untested, unlike Longshot and Dazzler. Right. <laughs> so, anyways, Rogue drops Dazzler off. Um, I don't know. Dazzler is just assuming that her Dazzle Blast has Psylocke uh, unconscious. Uh, Rogue and Dazzler are some have a somewhat contentious relationship still, going back to the Dazzler issues. And uh, Rogue says that. Psylocke overdid it, but 
or uh, Dazzler overdid it, but Dazzler's like, no, I know what I'm doing. And then she thinks to herself, she's right. I did overdo it. I'm trying too hard, showing off to prove myself, but I'll never let Rogue know. (laughs) Yes. This relationship between the contentious relationship continues for a little while. I don't know how it resolves itself, but I look forward to finding out. So, yeah, uh, Rogue drops off Dazzler and takes off. Uh, Psylocke's like, oh, you guys forgot that I'm a psychic and I can hear everything. I can hear everything. Right, which I feel like these people wouldn't have forgotten because, I don't know, that's Psylocke's powers. Well, they're they're making mistakes left and right because like Rogue, I guess Rogue and Dazzler think that Psylocke is uh, off edge because of the Dazzle Blast. So she goes in for the kill, and that is when Psylocke is able to strike with a uh, Psycho Blast Sledgehammer, which shatters Rogue's psi shields. But um, she's she's still in the game. But she's, uh, I guess, Dazzle, uh, Psylocke. Ooh, all these women's name, I'm getting them all confused. Da- uh, Psylocke is able to knock Rogue for a loop by kind of, she doesn't get in her mind, but she kind of convinces her that up is down and left is right, and Rogue ends up crashing into some rocks. Sorry about that, Rogue. Or what we, uh, sorry about that, Rogue. I hope it doesn't hurt too much. <laughs> That's what we're going with. <laughs> That was my Mrs. Doubtfire impression. All right. Uh, Dazzler zaps Psylocke from the back and... uh, With a voip. Yep. She's on the ground and Dazzler's like, oh no, I hit her too hard. I shouldn't have done that. She runs up and and Psylocke's like, oh, I was playing possum. And she's... I was playing possum to draw you in close. (laughs) (laughs) So that she could take control of Dazzler's mind. Uh... But... And, sh- and fire some Dazzle Blast at Longshot, who ah. is also there. Yes. Can't hide from a telepath, Longshot, or sneak up on one. But, of course, Longshot is so lucky that all of Dazzler's blasts that Psylocke used to hit the rocks missed him, and he picks up a whole bunch of, I don't know, scrap iron and throws it Does at her. Does he pick those up, or is are those in his pouches? I don't know. Uh, well, uh, no, they're, they're, they must be things, uh, because Dazzler and Psylocke are now tangled up by spikes and yeah. ribbons. Yeah, so I guess I guess these are things from his costume. Sure. They're tangled in his line. Spikes holding it in and my costume to the ground. What gives? Dazzler comes out of her uh, stupor of being controlled, and Psylocke is panicking, panicking a little bit. Rogue grabs her. You sugar don't get off too easy. Care to lay out Psylocke on whether you can psychoblast me before I punch your block off? And that's when Banshee steps in. The triumphant return of not Banshee's back. And he (laughs) says, ah, be careful, lassie. The answer may be more than you bargained for. All right, time for breakfast. I've got some haggis and eggs for everybody. I'll tell you how you did. I've been grading you on this exciting adventure. So, we call the first six pages. <laughs> they head in for breakfast. I guess Psylocke has had a chance to take a shower because she's got a towel on her head. Uh, long shots enjoy, he says, dead, burnt animal flesh and unborn baby eggs, birds. Yum! <laughs> because, you know, he's got three fingers and he's naive. Now, is that a, 
like, is this a character trait of long shots that carries through? I don't remember this. Longshot to me is an odd character because they bring him in and they usher him out. Like, like I don't know if he was hot for like a minute and then they're like, "Ooh, this guy's not charting very well." Because <laughs> they like whisk him away, as far as I remember. But yes, part of his character traits is that he's he's an alien. He's naive. He's not. He doesn't understand human things. So there's a lot of misunderstandings and stuff. Rogue says. Don't be gross, long shot. Those are ham and eggs. Uh, and she's wearing gym shorts. Yeah. Was she wearing gym shorts before? She did she change yeah, she changed into gym shorts. By the way, Rogue uh wearing in the previous stuff, she's wearing this super cool jacket. Reminds me of Wolverine. Um, but uh I feel like this is when they really start styling Rogue. I think is it the is it a, is it a brown jacket? It's a brown jacket. It's got the puffy sleeves and uh, puffy, uh, like a like f- uh, furry. I guess a furry collar and some furry sleeves. I think it'll it's, come back later in the episode. I hope so. It's it's very stylish. So Banshee runs them down on all the mistakes they made. Yeah, um, everybody did badly. It's not just one person. Rogue gets really upset. I know I screwed up, Mister. I don't need you rubbing it in. And she breaks the table. I guess I'm wondering, then, what was Longshot's mistake? Uh, well, he, I guess he doesn't have one. He does say, you did fine, Boyo. That loony talent of yours may prove to be an invaluable asset to the team, making you the X-Men whose moves can't be predicted. The Longshot that always pays off. <laughs> I'm Banshee. <laughs> I make funnies. Where's me pot of gold? Yeah, and then Banshee goes on like a whole lesson. It's like, you didn't think. Uh, not the way you have to in this business to survive. That's what these training sessions are all about. You all have the strengths and weaknesses. You got to work together. You got to be a team. To which I say, put Banshee back on the team. <laughs> well, like, does, his powers are broken. So are Storms. Good point. So let's have Banshee co- like lead the team with Storm. Banshee should and have been the headmaster of the uh, of the mansion of the New Mutants. I, yeah, he he absolutely could be. In fact, they will rectify that come Generation X. Oh well, that's a long time from now. It sure is. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the infirmary, uh, Moira's uh, Moira McTaggart's checking on all the patients. And people are dying. Talking Callisto. To- is uh, doing some pull-ups. She's exercising. Just, yes, a lot of people are dying. Mutant massacre fallout still. Blah, blah, blah. And more conversation, because Wolverine and Storm aren't in this issue. Callisto and uh, Moira are talking about Wolverine and Storm <laughs> figuring out their, their stuff. Right. The rest of the X-Men are doing various workouts. Dazzler's doing pull-ups next to Callisto. <clears throat> Longshot's juggling bottles for some reason. Um, I guess Psylocke's sprained her ankle and Banshee's seeing to it. Just a slight muscle cramp. And Rogue is lifting up some super heavy plasma weights or something. They weigh 57 tons, according to the uh, gonk robot nearby. Gonk, gonk. (laughs) So for some reason, Callisto just picks a fight with Dazzler. Uh, This is more of like a Wolverine type of a role. Like, you gotta be tough. You gotta be ready. So she's like making fun of her, calling her girly, pulls out her knife. And Dazzler's like, hey, you stop it, Callisto. Longshot falls. Um, He's juggling a bunch of bottles, as you mentioned, and he falls and 
that gives Dazzler the chance to punch Callisto's arm and run away. Yep. You can't run, sweetness, but you, you can run, sweetness, but you can't hide. You be strong, you fight, or you die. And Dazzler says, oh, yeah, maybe I'll start with you. And because as she gets outside, storming off, she thinks to herself, who am I kidding? My power is greater, but I can't handle, I can't match her ruthlessness. I'd lose. I suck. So she storms off. Uh, she's she's a singer. She says to herself, "All she ever wanted to do is make people happy." She's not she's not cut out for this whole X Man business. Uh, so she gets onto a boat. And she's like, "I'm gonna get off the boat for a while." This is when Rogue shows up at, and I think gives her her jacket. Is this the same jacket that you were talking about earlier? No, this is Dazzler's jacket. Oh, okay. It's a nice little half trench coaty thing. You know, it's yeah. apparently Dazzler has a whole change of clothes in the boat as well. So. She maybe you didn't, didn't, didn't need this jacket. I I don't know. Well, you got to. <laughs> I guess it's just uh, rogues trying to make amends, you know, because they have they have bad juju. And yeah, she's like, "Are you coming back?" And Dazzle's like, "I don't know." All right, you, all right. Your choice. Take shouldn't. care. <laughs> so. She uh, Dazzler heads into town, the town of Ulapool, Ulapool. Sure. A fishing port on the northeast coast of Scotland. She heads, uh, she's looking for something to do and she's stuck in her head about how terrible she is and how she's not an X-Men, all that stuff still. And she goes to Black Ned's Pub and Eatery where there's music, blasting some bagpipes, which I'm imagining is a bagpipe techno song. Oh, of course it is. Y'all ready for this? It's <laughs> <laughs> the best I can do with bagpipes. Yeah, she, so she's uh, a woman welcomes her and says yeah we're having a party there's food and drinks and if you got a little extra money there's a little a uh, little donation basket too they the caption points out that there are no strangers here she's welcome she feels she feels like she belongs so she starts dancing because she's a she's a great dancer and she meets some guy in a kilt and uh, so, so for me this is a very oddly designed character uh he's he's like a Big buff Scottish guy. He's got a kilt on, and, and that, so that's all fine. But he's like got male pot pattern baldness, which obviously is also not a thing. But it's just an interesting uh, choice for whoever designed the character to put Dazzler, who's like super hot, to kind of they're not hooking up by any means, but but there's a little bit of chemistry going on with this man who's got to be like forty ish um, with the baldness. I just thought that's just like. This is not what I would expect in a comic book. Now, I'm going back to fifth grade me. I would expect to see, like, a, you know, a young, full-haired man that she hooks up and dances with. Well, I, how do you, how does 40 uh, 40-ish year old self feel about this? Well, and, and if you look at the panel before you see her kind of hanging on to the bald man, there's a guy to the left who's the guy you would expect her to be with, right? He's muscular. He's got dark hair, big, thick eyebrows. And you got the guy on the right who's got a mustache and he's, he's balding. Now, even fifth grade me wasn't like, that's unrealistic. I was just like, oh, you know, that's, that's different. What a different choice to make. And 40-year-old me feels the same way, right? They probably, maybe he was more fun. Maybe he got out and danced and this guy was like all stiff and stood by the walls like, I'm too cool to dance. And she's like, well, I'm here to have fun. Yeah, I think this guy oozes confidence. He's just, a, you know, he's comfortable in his own bo uh, his own body. He's he's an older man. He's he's wearing a kilt, so obviously he's he's pretty cool about that. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, uh, both generations of me had no problem with this, but uh, just marveling at the choice that was made here. That's all. Uh, he's he's like a Sean Connery. He is very much a Sean Connery. So maybe maybe they're going for that. They dance all night, and I think they close down the bar. And uh, she's like, "Well, I gotta go." And he's like, "You know, there's another one next Saturday. You're always welcome, Lassie." Thanks, Conal. <laughs> is it Conal or is it Connell? Oh, I suppose it's probably Connell. I'm going to go with yeah, Connell, it, yeah. It's definitely Connell. <laughs> Which is also like, also fifth grade to me is like, what What the hell's a Connell? Isn't, uh, isn't there the new, the newscaster also Connell? Mm, there's a Co- Neil Conan, but I don't think there's a Connell. Oh, that's who I'm thinking of. Okay. Yeah. And he's based on a real guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so you know they're kind of saying their goodbyes and she's complimenting on him like your kilt would look weird in new york but here it looks just right and he's like i'm not wearing underwear <laughs> he's probably like that's a that's a kind of a rude thing to say but all right what a weird thing to say i haven't commented about how out of place you are <laughs> Uh, and that's when a convertible car drives by, almost running them over. And she's like, look out. And then she's like, oh, my God, I recognize him from the files. So apparently she's been reading the files. Yeah, you, you have um, to. It's like it's a requirement. As soon as you join the X-Men, it's like you don't that's, you know, that's what Longshot, since he's a little bit slower, was doing during the Mutant Massacres. They brought him on the team and they're like, whoa, you can't <laughs> fight with us until you finish this uh, uh, filing cabinet of files. And he's like, ah. Dazzler, on the other hand, she's very smart and, and can read. See, Longshot had to learn how to read first. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. So, um, so, so she probably read the files on the flight over. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, let me ask you a question. Like... A car drives by, almost hits you. Do you do you really notice the face of the driver? Yeah, she was apparently me. No, she was apparently she's trained for this, right? So she's been working out with the X Men and stuff. She's trained to notice things, and in the way that this panel is drawn, she's facing the car, so she would see the driver who is in a convertible. So she would be able to get a couple second look at him. Uh, also, it should be noted the juggernaut says, "Get out of my way, you bozos!" As he drives by, and and that's from the files. Uh, common catchphrase: "Get out of my way, you bozos!" <laughs> is uh, what Storm put in the last uh, file update. And so she uh, she immediately wants to go after him. She grabs a motorcycle, hops on, and drives away. And then we learn a little bit more about Connell. <laughs> so I think uh, I think what this well. No, I think this issue is definitely setting up. Uh, Dazzler wants to prove herself. This is her opportunity to prove herself. But as Banshee told us before, you can't go in all hot headed by yourself. You need a team, which spoilers, the team will come, which is what Connell says here. He's like, ah, you have far more courage uh, than brains. I fear my Bonnie Dazzler. I'd better phone some help for you. So he knows who she is. He knows he knows who can help her. But how does he know who she is? Connell's a smart dude. He's observant. She she I'm not I'm assuming she didn't introduce herself as Hi everybody, I'm Dazzler. He knows. He watches the TV. He was in, intrigued with the whole uh uh Dazzler Disco. movie fiasco. <laughs> Uh, her relationship with uh, whatever Nikoba, whatever that dude's name was. Oh yeah, yeah. 
He knows. So she takes off on a motorcycle. He he calls the X-Men, presumably. Maybe he knows Moira. I don't know. She Yeah, she drives the motorcycle. Uh, it's cold. She doesn't have her costume. She's thinking about maybe this isn't a great idea. And then she says to herself, she'll prove herself to her teammates the way she never could to her father. So we actually do get a little reference back to... Uh, Papa Blair, whatever his name was. Now, this is a really cool sequence because she's driving her motorcycle through the the flatlands or whatever. And she says, better charge my sonic light power as full as can be. Always so weird when I do that. Draining my immediate vicinity of all sound, surrounding myself with a globe of absolute silence. There, this is a moment from a Dazzler movie. Can you just imagine, like, she's on her motorcycle and she's, like, absorbing the sound and suddenly everything goes silent? That'd be pretty cool. That'd be awesome. You could even do a cool camera trick where as she's driving down the motorcycle, you pan in so you can hear the the, uh, rush of the wind, but as you get closer, it gets more muted until you're inside of her her sound bubble and it's just deafeningly quiet. But you see all the motion and stuff behind her. That that would be a very cool scene. But I I think it's it's outward too because somewhere, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll get to it when we get there. No, she's definitely (laughs) absorbing like her motorcycle sound and like the surround in her immediate vicinity. But like if there was a bird or something like, you know, 20 feet off to her left or right, like you would still be able to hear that or she probably wouldn't maybe but others would be able to hear that yeah i don't know i don't know but yeah it's definitely like a cool like we get introduced to a lot of her powers and i was just imagining a dazzler movie from all of these kind of neat little powers that they introduce in this thing and i I think she's tailor-made for a a cool special effects movie totally um and, and they also well chris claremont does a really good job of finally fleshing out this character <laughs> Well, yeah, I think that's what this is about is like, all right, I need to sit down. I need to have a Dazzler issue. I need to make this character, you know, a little bit stronger. And, you know, he he Claremonts her up. I need to fix Dazzler is what he says. So she's driving and she's maybe not paying attention or something. She's going too fast, but she notices the juggernaut too late. She says, no way to stop. I'm going to crash. He's probably around a bend. Yeah, or over a hill or something like that. But she didn't expect that he had stopped his, his car and got out. And yeah, so she hits she hits his car and ends up flying over it, which, you know, she's been training, so that doesn't knock her unconscious. Nope, she's fine. And Juggernaut's like, you stupid skirt, your bike dented my car, and he throws the car super far away. He says, you didn't want to leave here the same way, Freely. Uh, you don't want to leave here the same way, Frail. You better talk. Why were you after me? How come I didn't hear you? Which is kind of that thing where it's like yeah. there there was no sound around. Yeah, he couldn't hear the motorcycle. He couldn't hear that, which is how did he know she was following him? Well, he didn't. I think he just stopped his car. Hmm, okay. Or maybe maybe he did hear her at first and then it disappeared. Don't know. But uh, she's like, the name's Dazzler, and Buster, you're the one who better behave yourself. And in a big response, he question mark, question mark, question mark, and he's all like, Dazzler? No fooling? Fantastic, I got your records. I saw you perform. I love your music. Oh, man, I never thought I'd meet you. This is great. Yeah, he fanboys out, and she's like, uh, no, mister, if your job is what I suspect it is, I can't let you get there. So she pops his car tires with her laser blasts, and he's like, oh, come on, don't, no, don't do that. 
I don't want to have to hurt you or nothing. Yeah. So that puny, those puny laser beams are a waste of energy against me, babe. Bubbles of light. You got to be kidding. Her, her plan here is to hypnotize him, which almost works. He, he kind of goes all dopey. His eyes go cross. And then he's like, nobody hypnotizes me, babe. Nobody. And he slams his hands together. makes a huge loud noise that knocks Dazzler off her feet and blows snow away from the ground. And I love this whole page. I mean, we get this, like, we get the bubbles. We get an extreme close-up and a kind of a cartoony juggernaut. Where he's like, he's you, you see his hypnotized eyes, and then we get an even closer, kind of like, Whoa! and we get an awesome panel where he slaps his hands together, and then we get the next panel where she's on the ground, and the 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 the, the, the what do you call that? The the effect, the aftershock. The aftershock has blown the like the snow off the ground, and she's in kind of a a mini crater. She's like, yeah, and he's like, I'm the juggernaut. Ain't nothing, ain't nobody that can beat me. You keep pushing your luck. You make me mad, Dazzler, and you'll be sorry. All of a sudden, I've got a very bad feeling about this. So she runs off. <laughs> and she says, feet, do your stuff, because that's what I say when I run. Feet, don't fail me now. <laughs> Yeah, and so she she says she's got some, she's a full or she could do like a full strength dazzler blast uh, that could that could short circuit his nervous system, stop him in his tracks, uh, and maybe even knock him out. Here goes. So she's getting ready to shoot him. Um, Trying to blind me, girl. That nice. I'd have let you go before, but now for your own good, I gotta teach you a lesson. So I guess and, her her super bright laser didn't have as much of an effect as she thought it was because the sun is coming up from behind her, which diluted the effect, which is interesting. Yeah. So instead she shoots uh, some boulders, I guess the side of a mountain, and the boulders fall down. Of course, that's not going to stop him. Yeah, he punches right through that. One punch shattered my avalanche to powder. I'm faster, more agile, I'm staying ahead of him, but I'm getting tired. He isn't. I thought I was in great shape. I gotta do more reps. <laughs> what a dunce I am tackling by myself, but I've never fought him. I only skimmed his file. How was I to know? Uh, yeah, that's pretty dumb, Dazzler. Come on. <laughs> Longshot didn't skim the files. No, he, he read every syllable of those. <laughs> Lots of sounding out. Juggernaut. If I'm an X-Men, it's my job to know. And then she falls off the side of the cliff and into some water. Ah, Stupid heels. Trip me up. Dazzler, Juggernaut jumps down there and he's like, Dazzler, you're making this harder than it needs to be. I ain't going to kill you. I ain't even going to hurt you that bad, but I, I do have to teach you a lesson. You know, they say it's really hard to run in heels, but that girl in Jurassic World did it. So, <laughs> And she was being chased by a T-Rex. Yeah. That movie Can't was, be that hard. That movie was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that movie. I can't wait for Jurassic World 2 to come out. That is a weird trailer. Yeah, I didn't know really what to make of it. It just, it doesn't, it, make, it doesn't, I, I don't know. Uh, trailers are supposed to make you want to see the movie. It seemed to me like they were trying to make Jurassic Park Part 2, The Lost World Part 2. <laughs> Isn't it dinosaurs running around New York again? Oh, is it? I, didn't, I don't know. I haven't, I, I haven't seen that. All I saw was like... A bunch of dinosaurs are drowning in the water. I was like, that doesn't that doesn't seem like something I want to see. Um, and then it's got Jeff Goldblum. So I was like, oh, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. 
I like Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, can't go wrong with Jeff Goldblum. I'm gonna wait until it comes out on Blu-ray. There's a fa- rent it. there's a Facebook page that's like the same picture of Jeff Goldblum every day, and every day the page just posts the same picture of Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> I think so, I've heard of that. It's kind of funny. <laughs> uh, Dazzler does a strobe effect on Juggernaut to get away, uh, so he's on his knees. It'd be easy to give up to be the weakling Callisto thinks I am, but I won't. Not now. Not ever. So the she describes her strobe effect. It's like popping the granddaddy of flashballs in his eyes, so he's he'll be seeing spots for hours. And she heads up to get the high ground. She decides that she's going to sit there and give her everything she's got, the final blast. And it's so quiet out here. Hardly any natural sounds. My panting's the loudest thing I hear. And yeah, she she, she puts her fingers together because she's going to do a... Uh, a dazzle blast. So she. Oh, hey, look, it's Gru. <laughs> it is. I love Gru. <laughs> uh, so she fires off a shot in a five, six panel spread here on the page, uh, where the the dazzle blast is just getting more and more powerful. Juggernaut first starts off by saying, "That's the best you got, babe." Took another. But it does kind of look like maybe she's making some progress. Maybe he's being pushed back a little bit. Uh, and finally, the whole hilltop in a far shot is just illuminated in Dazzler's blasts. She does think to herself, if if I'm a member of the X-Men, why didn't I call them? We're <laughs> supposed to be a team. Yep. She's, she says she's, her, she's got, she's in pain. Her head's pounding. Yeah, she's, she's regretting this decision for sure. She's, she's realizing the benefit of a team. Uh, but when the light all clears, you get this nice silhouetted picture of Dazzler and Juggernaut. Dazzler just sitting there, kind of got her shoulders set back. Juggernaut's leaning forward and he's like, you finished? Pretty impressive, <laughs> especially there at the end. If you'd stage shows that Swift doll, I bet you'd still be a superstar. In my book, you always will be ready to take your medicine. And she collapses. Oh, she's wearing a Lila Shanae jacket. <laughs> or Chaney, damn it. <laughs> she collapsed. And then he's like, no, no, it isn't fair. I didn't mean this. I didn't want this. I worshipped her. I killed her. I was about to give her her medicine. <laughs> Maybe if she'd had her medicine, she wouldn't have died. Next so issue, Charles. What was he going to do? Just like drag her around and toss her and stuff? And I'm assuming he wasn't going to hit her. I I, I don't know, punch her, shake her, something. Probably not punch Like, he's not going to, like, juggernaut punch her. Yeah, but, like, a juggernaut punch would probably kill her. Yeah, that's what I mean. Not a juggernaut punch. Just like a, I don't know, Adam. <laughs> Maybe just, like, do some more of those uh, slap hands together things. Yeah, where but he's... see, he's a, he's a villain. He has a reputation to maintain. But he worships Dazzler, so he's like, look, she can't walk away from the story saying, like, yeah, I punked the juggernaut and he didn't do anything about it. She's he's got she's like he's got to do something. Like like maybe he breaks a pinky. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But anyways, there you go. Yeah, she collapses and 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 he falls into the juggernaut's hands and now he's doing a Romeo Romeo wherefore out there Romeo sort of thing. Dazzler's dead. Next issue, Charge of the Light Brigade. Yeah, I hope I hope they can resurrect her, whoever the Light Brigade is. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, anyways, uh, as I was saying earlier, with this kind of being uh, not the first issue of the X-Men I read, but probably the second, because I read 225, and then I went back and I bought all these, uh, it's it's this issue and the next issue, minus long shots, really a story about a bunch of girls. And for a fifth grade boy, you, you would almost think that, like, well, you, wouldn't you much prefer to read about men doing men stuff? And uh, the way that this was written, I think maybe some of the panels uh, and the setups that I probably was far too naive to understand uh, probably subconsciously had a uh, effect to to create a enjoyable experience. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a well written kind of universal story of some you're you're kind of in somebody's head even though she's she's a girl. You're, it's still it's still kind of a neat. It's probably something you hadn't really experienced before. Oh, exactly. I think that's just like uh, Dazzler dancing the night away with the most uh, or the most unlikely guy. Uh, you know, just kind of uh, I don't know went against your my expectations or what I would expect my expectations to be, uh, and still produced an enjoyable story. So I don't know. Good on you, Chris Claremont. Yeah, this is a good one. Yeah. Hope the next issue lives up to it, man. And it might just be me filled with nostalgic joy, but I think it does. All right. <laughs> but you'll have to wait till next time for you to hear us talk about that one. We got a note from Professor Allen. Uh, he says, on the Dr. Julie Schwartz question, which I don't remember that question. So there was uh, there were two doctors taking care of Madeline in uh, a couple issues oh, ago. Yeah. And I had commented that uh, one of them was... Uh, named Julie, and then that was the guy. And I, I thought, was it short for Julius, or what's the story here? So Professor Allen has the story, which I, I agree with. This is a reference to longtime DC editor Julius Schwartz, who was known in the office as Julie. He retired in 1986, just a few months before this issue came out, and I am certain it is an homage to him. Gotta it, be. It has to be, yeah. There's no other reason you would name your characters like that. So I wonder if the other the, the nurse was also a celebrity or or a comic book personality not necessarily a celebrity a comic book superstar i don't i sure <laughs> how many comic book superstars are there there's two stanley jack ah, kirby three four well okay there's there's probably eight but but really <laughs> if you want to say comic book superstar i would have to draw that list back down to uh and you're probably going to hate this but uh Rob Liefeld, Todd McFarlane, and Stanley. No, I, I think Jack Kirby's up there too. As a superstar, though, because I feel like uh, while he is a legend for sure, I don't know I, that I, he okay. ever yeah, reaches I, the superstar because he probably died with a modest uh, estate, right? I, I see what you're saying. You're right. You're right. Nobody, nobody knows what Jack Kirby looks like. Like your average comic reader has probably seen Todd McFarlane or Rob Liefeld, or those guys have been on TV. Rob, yeah, Rob Liefeld okay. used to sell jeans in the 90s. Todd McFarlane was at the beginning of every Spawn episode on HBO and, and in magazine, like Rolling Stone magazine with, you know, just drawings all around him and stuff. Of course, Stan Lee is a superstar because he's Stan Lee. Everybody else are, uh, you got a lot of legends, a ton of legends, but I would say that those three guys are probably your superstars. Maybe Neil Gaiman? Uh, yeah, I put um, – so if I was to make the comparison, uh, he would be more of an alt-indie superstar. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I, I definitely – I just I'm, – now I'm just trying to think of people that the average person knows what they look like. 
uh, uh, Kirkman, but I think it's uh, I think it's too late for him to be qualified as a superstar, even though I'm sure he's wealthy beyond our wildest dreams. <laughs> <laughs> but like he he's come up at a time where uh, I, I don't think he has the same notoriety as a Todd McFarlane or a, uh, a Rob Love Rob Liefeld. Yeah. Even though I think he's generated, you know, six times the amount of content as either of those two guys. I guess I would say Neil Gaiman is is not a celebrity through comics, even though he got his start in comics. He's more of a, 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 an, a an author, I guess. His celebrity comes from 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 his books and the spinoffs of his books. He's like an underground uh, superstar. Right. Yeah. Like the true comic book people know Neil Gaiman. And... Well, I think like with like all of his material that's in media now, I think a lot more than just comic book people know him. I, I, I think it might even be at that point where people are like, like I did comics. What? Right, right. Exactly. That's why I wouldn't call him a comic book superstar uh, for that reason. They might know him more as, oh, he's the guy that did American Gods. Right. So anyhow, there you go. There you go. I oh uh, so yeah if you'd like to join in the conversation tell us how wrong we are about what we've said today uh, <laughs> you can do so by visiting us at www.xmenpodcast.com facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast twitter at danger room go you can email us at xmenpodcast at, no danger room at xmenpodcast.com uh, we're on iTunes go to the podcast section search up danger room we're the first one that shows up or you can leave us a voice message at 501-GET-X-MEN, 501-438-9636. Our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. I read X-Factor. Tell me about it. Well, it's a it's a, it's a a filler, but it's a it's not a bad filler by any means. We get a little bit of uh, character building uh, from um, Skids. Uh, we, we find out that uh, Skid's powers manifested as she was being beaten up by her father, which is uh, kind of cool. See, I didn't feel like this was a, f- a filler, but like, w- w- I guess, what is your, what do you mean by, like, what, what's a, f- what do you mean when you say it's a filler? So what I mean by a filler, so there's a lot of stuff going on right now. You've got, you've got Gene and Scott, you've got Scott and Madeline, you've got uh, Angel's wings uh, were just cut off. Uh, you've also got Angel's potential suicides. There's a lot of things that are going on, and this issue doesn't talk about any of them. I feel like because they're trying to make sure that the stories shift up with X-Men or other things that are going on in the Marvel Universe. So instead of dealing with those things, they did a good... F- like, I don't... Filler issues are not necessarily bad. It's just I feel well, like they're filling yeah. some time uh, in order to sync up to be able to continue some of those other threads. But I guess why the reason that I wouldn't call this a filler is because this, even though it does it does take away from the main thread, it is kind of following the 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 thread that started way back in X Factor One. It's kind of Rusty's story. It's Rusty and Skids's story. Uh, the other thing that makes me kind of call it a filler is that it's penciled by David Mazzuccelli. That's not Walt Simonson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but all that being said, it's still it's still a good uh, issue. So don't when I say filler, like don't don't like automatically assume that I mean like that's a bad issue. Um, 
So yeah, we find out that Skid's power manifested uh, when she was being beaten up by her father. Her father was beating on her mom. She she came up and was like, don't beat on my dad or on my mom. And he starts like punching her and stuff. And then her shield manifests and her dad's like, you're a freak. And at that point, she's like, you can never touch me again. But I think uh, her mom died. But as she died, she said, here, take my pearls. You deserve them. And so this issue kind of starts off with Rusty and Skid's training. They're kind of playing with each other. He's like, I'm going to burn you. And she's like, you can't burn me. Uh, but she ac- he accidentally gets a hold of her pearls. And the necklace goes uh, flying. All of the beads go everywhere. And she's all mad. And that's when Jean steps in. And she's like, well, pick them up. And she's like, I can't. And, and Jean's like, you have to. Like, this is how we learn to use our power. So, like, all I want you to do for your training lesson is pick up those pearls. And she takes off. And she's like, oh, I'm leaving. I'm going back into the Morlock tunnels. Blah. Didn't Angel just die? Yes. Nobody is sad about Angel at all. Again, <laughs> weird. kind of why. Maybe this was written out of sequence. Or maybe they were just like, they had this ready. And they didn't know where to insert it. And they inserted it here. But uh, there's a little bit of dialogue between Gene and Scott about how messed up things are there. And how... You know, they, they used to be young lovers, and it looks like Skids, Rusty and Skids are, are maybe heading that direction, too. Skids heads back into the Morlock tunnels, and she's like, oh, I used to be a Morlock, so I'm going to be a Morlock. Rusty follows after her and wants to kiss her, but she's like, oh, my force field, I, I'm not really feeling this right now. And uh, Rusty bursts into flames, and then he, you know, uh, actually Mass comes out, and he, he wants to mess around with people's faces. Uh, and that's when Rusty hears about the woman from issue number one, and, and he's like, oh my god, I thought she'd be fixed. She's not fixed. She's idi- or she's awful. She's hideous. And uh, he makes a deal with Mask uh, to fix the girl, whose name I can't remember. The young, uh, rescued mutants go get that woman bring her to the morlock tunnels mask fixes her face but at what price adam what price we do learn that warren has been uh funding the bill for the woman in the hospital and that soon because of everything that's happening that will probably no longer be the case the money will dry up and so the price Skids finds out is that Mask gets to play around with Rusty's face and do anything he wants to Rusty's beautiful boyish looks. And uh, he does all sorts of things. He makes him look like a frog. He takes away his nose and mouth. And uh, Skids gets in there and, and she wraps her hands around his throat. And he's like, oh, your force field just slips right off of me. But then she's able to get control of her force field. And he is actually she is actually choking him rusty sets his cloak on fire and uh i don't know eventually he restores rusty's face and uh the girl she's like look if this is the price of all this you can just make me ugly and i'll stay down here and be the morlocks priestess because she's religious now she's gonna show the morlocks god and so at the very end, uh, Rusty's like, oh, here, I found one of your pearls. And then in a really sweet panel uh, in a silhouette, you see the two of them kind of by themselves uh, getting close, potentially going in for a kiss in the stinky sewers. <laughs> That's a great place for a first kiss. <laughs> so good issue, but kind of fillerish to me. Maybe we need a, a less like negative sounding word. Uh, breather? I like it. <laughs> okay. It's a breather. <laughs> um, Thor number 378 was uh, tons of X-Factor action. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, not much happens in the Thor story either. How much of this did you read? I read the portion uh, where Thor drops Iceman back off at X-Factor's mansion, and Iceman's like, oh, my power feels supercharged. And then I saw that there were like a lot of ogres and trolls. And I was like, this is weird. I don't want to read this. Oh, you jumped up to the next issue because in, in 378, Iceman is still <laughs> captive of Loki. Oh. You you jumped ahead. Whoops. Oh, well. <laughs> Spoil, I spoiled it. Spoilers, Iceman doesn't die. Uh, so in 378, we don't learn much other than that Ice Iceman has been pushing himself and causing uh, an overload of his powers and uh, Thor helps him. Did you call him Ice Iceman? Ice, Ice, Iceman. Doom, 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 doom. I probably stammered and said Ice, Iceman. Well, there Should you I have go. said Bobby, Bobby Man? So the whole Iceman story has been covered. Three issues of Thor. Yeah. Although I don't think he returns to the actual pages of X Factor for another couple of issues. I don't remember. Anyways, there was uh, New Mutants number 52. So there, there was New Mutants number 52 and New Mutants annual number three. And honestly, they could go in either order. Um, so I, I prefer New Mutants 52 going first. I read New Mutants 52. Uh, I, I thought it was, uh, I liked it. It was a good story. It starts out where we get uh, the New Mutants versus the Marauders. And they basically get slaughtered because, you know, they're kids and the Marauders are more effective here than they've ever been in the pages of X-Men. But again, they're facing kids. It's like half the issue is dedicated to this fight where, yes, the Marauders kill all of the New Mutants. Honestly, the least interesting half of this issue. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, as soon as like the first New Mutant falls, you're like, oh, training session. Exactly. So, you know. (laughs) And sure enough, it was a danger room session that Magneto had called uh, to test the New Mutants. And they failed. Apparently, they died in 327 seconds. And uh, Magic had left in the middle of the battle because she was like, eh, whatever. This is stupid, which is another tip off that this isn't real. Because, I mean, I know she was upset at her friend's last issue, but if they were all dying, she wouldn't, like, leave them. One would hope. I don't know. She's getting more moody, which I think was what this issue is kind of all about. Yeah, so she – the rest of the issue is kind of about – Magneto trying to figure out what's going on with magic and uh, you know, he confronts her about what's going on and she takes him into limbo where he is able to capture Sim who's still around now uh, part of it. He has the, he has the techno virus and able to do all the cool T 1000 things like bending his limbs and what, what not. Um, Magneto's able to stop him because with the with the techno virus as part of him, Magneto has total control over him and uh, magic student and I care about you. And she's like, let him go. I'll I'll find a better way to beat him. And and so she she rejoins the team as they're about to play soccer. And Magneto feels like he did his job today. It's very nice. So is the end of New Mutants 52 the direct lead-in to Fallen Angels? Now, uh, one would think that, and I, and I, and I, I could definitely, I, I, I wonder if that is actually what they were going for. Um, 
I like putting New Mutants Annual Number 3 in the middle of it because in New, New, New Mutants Annual Number 3, Magic is still, uh, or Magic isn't isn't upset at the rest of the team. She's back. They're, they're all friends again. Oh, good. So I, I like to place New Mutants Annual Number 3 after this issue, um, issue 52. Uh, the gist of that issue is the Impossible Man returns, yeah. and Warlock and the Impossible Man uh, are in a in a contest. The Impossible Man is looking for the X Men, but they're not there. So he plays with the Newmans instead, and they travel around the world. And Warlock and him compete. They become strong men and various Marvel superheroes and villains. And finally, uh, Cipher figures out that the one thing that Warlock can do that the Impossible Man can't do is uh, emulate color. Uh And so the Impossible Man loses. Um, The the open... Oh, this is by Alan... The pencils are by Alan Davis. So this is is a good-looking issue. The uh, New Mutants get to don their superhero outfits, too. Yes, because Alan Davis created them, I believe. he, He drew the previous one. Or was that Adam... Oh, no, no, that was uh, not Alan Davis. It was uh, the other guy we like a lot that did the Long Shot series. Yeah, uh, he's, he's he's Adam something, right? No. No, he's not Adam? He's I'm not, thinking of Adam Kubert. No, he's not Adam Kubert. Nor is he Andy uh, Kubert. Oh. Yeah, he, he's somebody. Well, while you're thinking of it, I really <laughs> like the uh, – Chris Caramont like, does some, some – uh, the opening page of this is cool, and I just wanted to like – it's it's classic Claremontian. It's uh, bangles booming on the tape deck, walking like Egyptians, music with a beat to scheme by, hard driving hot, firing his blood, sparking his mind, the nastiest of ways. Beastie Boys are next, clashing with Joan Jett, then Lila and Tina and Allie slash Dazzler, topped off by the boss, the brew, Bruce, live! Whoa. Master of the music and the computers that hum and whir about him in his observation control booth is Douglas Ramsey. Also, you know, and then it was it was cool. I liked it. Yeah, I was yeah. like, yeah, all right, Chris Claremont. Woo! <laughs> this is what you're good at. So yeah, I and uh, how so this doesn't dive into Fallen Angels at all, does it? So Fallen Angels, uh, as you mentioned, does open with a soccer game. But I think the 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 other reason why I didn't connect these two is because like Magneto was watching the soccer game at the end, True. whereas something happens in the soccer game. Well, basically, uh, where well, I guess Magneto is watching if you if you scroll over to the fourth page. So I don't know. Maybe it is is intended to take place. And not only that, I feel like doesn't uh, uh, Ileana join the game late? No, she's right in the first page. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, they're playing soccer, and there's there's uh, the Newmans are playing soccer. Uh, Rain and Warlock are not. Uh, Magneto is for some reason turning to. He doesn't want to grade their papers, so he's like, "Ah, oh, Moira Matagardo grade their papers." She's a girl, which is kind of a douche move. Yeah, I don't know that she's a. He never like says outwardly that she's a girl but it's it still just comes off as super douchey it feels implied he's she's an old friend of charles xavier's and she'd do anything for him i don't know it's it's not great (laughs) 
There's but a, uh, we get to see Siren again, which is fun. There's an, yes. There's a neat little flashback uh, of him when he was a bro- the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. You get to see like the Vanisher blob. Except the Vanisher Toad. was never a Brotherhood of Evil Mutant member. That's a good point. But still, he's there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> didn't do their research. They forgot to read the files. <laughs> Damn it. So he calls Muriel, and we get to see Moira working with... Um, Siren, multiple man is there. Uh, Siren is still learning her powers. Um, she agrees and they, the, I guess Moira and the, the team are going to leave, uh, Mir Isle to come to New York. Um, presumably the X-Men are not there right now anymore. Yeah, so sure. it's kind of, it's kind of confusing when the timeline takes place. But anyway, there's a huge accident. Uh, Cannonball tries to score a goal on Roberto uh, Sunspot, and they run into each other, and Cannonball slams Sunspot's head into the goal post and then lands with his elbow on his neck, and, you know, Sunspot kind of freaks out and is like, get off, and he turns into Sunspot and punches him off, and Cannonball hits his head on the back of a tree and is unconscious and all the new moons uncharacteristically are like, if you know, if you want to kill him, Bobby, then the answer is no. We hope that doesn't disappoint you. Yes. The, all the new mutants are kind of mean to uh, Roberto, but haven't they tried, been trying to build up this storyline that he's a little bit of a hothead? Yeah. But he, like, it's very clear that he didn't do this on purpose. Right. No, I agree with you. They're, the new mutants are being very unfair to him. But I guess it I guess it's shown later that they didn't see that he wasn't doing this on purpose. But I don't know how they could think that he would have forcefully tried to kill I don't know. There's a lot of hotheads going on here. Yeah. Um the Magneto rushes out and and brings the new mutants and cannonball to the hospital and uh Roberto stays behind and talks about it uh, thinks about his mom and his dad. And goes through the secret grading files of the professor, I guess. Sure. It's, it's on a big folder that says DeCosta Roberto Confidential. My report. I wonder what Professor Xavier wrote. Surely no one no one will ever find out if I look and it's not all bad, but he's he's he does point out that um if not corrected, uh Sunspot could go down the path of his father and join the Hellfire Club. He's hoping that Sam will be a good influence on him. And that is the trigger that uh, sets Roberto off and he runs away from home. He does. He leaves, he leaves a note saying, you were all right. I was terrible. I was, I'm, I'm terrible. I hurt my best friend ever. Yeah. And randomly Warlock decides to go after him in New York City. Which we know is a bad idea from that one Spider-Man uh, issue. It's it's it is a nice like having read that Spider Man issue. It's kind of nice. It makes sense that Warlock would think that Roberto's in the city. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a it's kind of a neat thing. I don't know if it was intended or not. Uh, Sunspot bumps into well, there's this there's this little boy who turns out to be a little girl on the streets. There's a whole lot of implications about some sort of um, I, I guess it's it's sort of a. Uh, religious school that's selling calendars and it's it's very shady is the implication something's going on yeah i didn't really follow this all that well it's it it was kind of a uh like a like a 
what is, what is the what is the religion that's super popular right now that Tom Cruise is a part of? Oh, Scientology. Yeah, it feels like a Scientology thing. Okay. I don't know if that'll be true or not. Uh, anyway, uh, this this girl uh, gets attacked. I guess she steals some money from a little kid, and then some thugs try to attack her. And she gets stuck in an alleyway, and then Sunspot shows up and tries to save her, but his power runs out, and then they're about to uh, beat the crap out of him, and that's where it's to be continued. So this is like an eight-issue limited series that I've never even really heard of. I saw promos for it in the pages of the X-Men. You know, some promo like, you know, Innocence Lost, Fallen Angels, or something like that. But other than that, I, I have no idea what the story is about. Yeah, I have no idea what to expect from this. This is it'll it'll be interesting, I guess. I'm pretty sure this is where they kill Sunspot. Oh, really? No, I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, they bring him back. I think he's still alive. I'm kidding. I have no idea if Sunspot's alive or dead. I want to say he was there when the X Force thing happens. Probably. So, so there you have it. That that was all the issues for this month. Yeah. Bite the bundle. Still, so, quite a lot. Good. You have anything else you want to add to this one? That was that was an action-packed episode. Heck yeah! We sure packed in the action. Well then, until next time. My name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the danger room is closed. You bought any uh, nostalgia uh, Mad Balls? There are nostalgia Mad Balls. Yeah, they they're back. Wow, no. And I think they even have new ones, which look stupid. But I never had Mad Balls in the first place, so uh, that's probably good. <laughs> All right, <clears throat> you ready to do this?